Welcome. Welcome to Punk Law 101, everybody. My name is Walter, and I am an attorney. I am an attorney in New York and in New Jersey. Wow, both states. Kind of cute. And, uh, yeah, welcome to Punk Law 101. Don't mean to brag, by the way. Don't mean to brag. There's plenty of us. And uh, this is a legal podcast, and as my typical start role goes, please understand that this podcast is for informational purposes only. Right. This is not legal advice. This is more of a conversation. This is stuff that, uh, you know, you're going to want to hear, but you should definitely do your own research on maybe a retain an attorney uh, for guidance for any of these issues that we may discuss. And uh, for today's episode, it is stuff that we we, uh, we as attorneys wish clients knew before they retained us. So, uh, yeah, this might even be helpful if you have a local attorney that you, you do use. Maybe just run it by and be like, hey, is any of this good or not? Again, uh, he was here last week. Uh, he works for Legal Aid over in Newark, New Jersey. I believe he let me do that the last time is plug Legal Aid. And I'll plug his name. His, his name is John Rinaldi, and he is back on. So welcome back on, John. That's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's been one week and uh, <laughs> another, another week in Coronapocalypse. Unfortunately, yes. Although it, I will say, uh, say Hoboken's like a, a bastion of sanity these days, so I'm all right with this. <laughs> Dude, it's like September outside. I mean, it was. It's like cold and rainy here. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's what September's like. Cold and rainy here. I don't oh, know what no, September's man. like over in Hoboken. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like give uh, everyone a pro tip. Going down to the Jersey Shore in September is the best time to go because the weather's still decent. The water is the warmest it's all year because it's been baking in the sun and everyone's already gone. Go in September. I maybe, promise maybe you. I'm thinking of October. Maybe maybe it's more oh, of an October yeah. weather thing. The first like two, sometimes three weeks of September, prime Jersey Shore time because everyone's true. gone. It's nothing but locals. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm thinking just kind of fall weather. Like it feels like we skipped the summer already. I'm going to be like, very mad if the shore is mobbed this September. Oh, well, yeah, it's going to be all your fault for the three oh, yeah. people who listen to this. <laughs> we listened all the way back to the second episode, and uh, John Rinaldi gave us some good travel tips on going to New Jersey. I mean, we <laughs> thought it was a legal podcast, but apparently it's actually a travel tips podcast. I mean, hey, I'm from the shore, so. There you go. Um, Yeah, so uh, it, it's just been weird weather, and then also everybody's trapped indoors, which honestly, it, for it to be cold weather, probably not the worst thing to keep people from, you know, doing stupid things, considering Jersey's been one of, like, the top places hit by coronavirus. Aren't we, like, number two only to New York? <laughs> Pretty much, and probably it's because we're so connected to New York. Yeah, like, there's... That that leeching thing off of New York is finally not paying off. <laughs> like, we have so many people who work in New York and live in New Jersey that it's like, oh, that that didn't plan out. That didn't pan out at all. <laughs> Shoot. No. I mean, it worked for about 80 years of our existence, but now it's kind of going backwards. Shoot. In fairness, I think historically the pros have outweighed the cons. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So. And now now it's starting to, to hit. But <laughs> it's the payback. It's like, well, you want to leech off us, you get our diseases, too. <laughs> but yeah so uh you're back on this is going to be uh it's going to be an interesting one because we're talking about uh five things people should know like i guess outside like five things we wish you knew basically that when you're not a lawyer we wish you knew them uh, more because of along the lines of at least for me how i went into this topic was things i wish people knew ahead of time because it could have made their lives easier uh 
I don't know if that's necessarily how you took the topic because it's a very broad topic. Um, um, I can say I, I kind of took it to be uh, what are things that I wish people knew because it would make my life easier if you did. <laughs> I mean, to me, it kind of makes their lives, it makes my life easier too. So well, I, and, in so, truth, making my life easier makes their life easier too. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> that's kind of how it works. And also the one thing I wanted to talk about, because we were just talking about coronavirus and I, I forgot to run this by here. I was going to say I had a topic I wanted to add on before the show, but we'll just say it here is, uh, and we'll tag it on to the end if there's time, is the Supreme Court had oral arguments streamed on Zoom this week. And uh, what are our potential thoughts on, uh, on just this new method of maybe having governmental meetings publicly on Zoom and like the Supreme Court having oral arguments streamed on Zoom, the pluses and minuses and things like that. But we'll tag that on to the end. But uh, I just thought that was something to kind of keep in the back of our heads. And we'll, we'll run back over to that. But uh, let's get right into the, the, the five things that people should know. Um, and I'll go first. Is, uh, this is going to be one you're going to be like, oh, of course, you're a lawyer. Uh, and, and you're going to hear this one. You're going to be like, this is so basic. Walter, you're a basic lawyer. And it's uh, get everything in writing. Like that might be like the, the day one like law, like law school thing is get everything in writing but you don't realize how much that changes things and it's not just like contracts it's not just partnership agreements it's things of like so i remember i had a family member who was dealing with an employment thing a few years ago and the fact that they were responding to everything via email helped their case especially they didn't really ever file anything in court but they were working as a public service job they were working in a city government and they had a back and forth with their uh with the city manager and the, uh, the the head of HR and what they were doing was making sure they responded to every email. And in fact, I helped them do some of the emails and kind of how to respond to them. But, uh, you know, they were trying to set that person up so that they could potentially fire them because that person had tenure. So getting things in writing, responding in writing is very important because, uh, well, one, it shows a like kind of track record of things uh it also you know when you're talking about litigating something it's it's one of the few things that you can potentially get admitted into court is hey either you didn't respond to this and now i should be able to admit this because there why didn't you respond to this as an admission or that you would have their response in which case you now have something they set out of court in writing so there's oh it either sets them up to have to respond which is why you send a letter to, uh, to somebody if you have an issue. You know, you have some, I sent you a letter on May 18th that said, hey, uh, you know, why, why are you not fixing, for instance, landlord-tenant, right? Uh, say you have a problem with your pipes, right? And you send them a letter on May 18th saying, hey, I have a problem with my pipes. Uh, they're not working. Uh, you know, the, the water is always cold. I'm supposed to have heat. Uh, can you come fix them? And then they don't fix it for three months and they don't respond to that letter and then you send them another letter three months from now it it creates a track record and you can go to court and be like listen why didn't they respond to it then so i know what do you think about that one was that too basic is that too easy um no i think it's i think it's one of those things where uh attorneys know get everything in writing but i've seen way too many instances where people just don't and then you got to argue about it and you got to convince the judge as to who is right and all that and that's it just makes things more expensive and then you might not win because hey if there's no writing there's no track record 
It's yeah. all he said, she said. So if you send a letter, you send an email, even nowadays with text messages, it's, I, I would much prefer if you sent an email, uh, but a text message might help with that. Uh, especially because it's, I mean, some, I'll say this, some courts make it easier to verify things outside of like, you know, it depends on what state court you're in. So I had, I, I had this issue and we're not going to talk about it a little bit more um, where, how do you verify something? And some courts say the verification process is a lot lower. For, for instance, for something like social media, some courts like uh, uh, Pennsylvania have a much higher standard for admitting social media posts uh, into evidence. Whereas some courts like New Jersey, the fact that it's just a writing, you just need somebody to verify that they believe it was that person. And then if that person's in court, and as long as it's not as admissible, as long as it's not hearsay, if you're saying that somebody who's like a party to the case, it's on that person to reject it. So it makes it uh, the, the, again, getting things in, it's going to kind of tie with another thing later on, but uh, different courts have different verification requirements for writings, but in general, uh, getting things in writing helps just, you know, Certainly. contracts, especially, uh, partnerships. If you're starting to do something with somebody, you open up a business. Um, you know that that has its own fiasco. If you don't, you know, if you go you go six months down the line working with somebody to build a business, say you open up a lemonade stand across the block, and uh, you know all of a sudden you guys are not agreeing on things, and you, say you put up fifty thousand dollars to open up this great lemonade stand, and now your partner who yeah puts a lot of man hours in, but maybe is kind of like maybe he has another lemonade stand down the block and he's pushing people down there. Hmm. So I have I have two thoughts on this. Uh, one, so I had a case once where they did get it in writing, but it was poorly drafted, and so the sentence could arguably be read both ways. <laughs> and then we had to go to court to argue about whose interpretation was correct. Uh, so if you're going to get things in writing, maybe proofread it first. Just just make sure. Well, especially with partnership agreements, get a lawyer. That's something well, where yeah. I sit there and say, if you're going to go into business with somebody, get a lawyer. If you're going to uh, just, especially for something where there's a real profit margin, where you're investing money, uh, get a lawyer, do the partnership agreement, go over it. Um, especially again, like if you're opening up a big business, you're, you're investing in a rent and capital and things like that. Having a partnership agreement, having a lawyer look it over and be able to say, well, what happens if this comes down the pike? What happens with this on the, you know, comes down the line? Cause that'll, that'll save you money long-term. You will save money not litigating that problem oh, of course yeah in, in the in the short term like in the short term you're going to spend the money right you're going to spend maybe a few hundred to a thousand dollars but that's probably going to be like a, and again make sure you get a good one because you know you get one of those uh, the the bad ones and that wander in and they're like yeah this is totally fine <laughs> you need a guy who actually reads the partnership agreement that's a hard part about it but if they read it and they go this is what the the effects of these like provisions are uh that's where having a good lawyer comes in. A good transactional lawyer can kind of help fix that problem. Uh, down, whereas, again, if it wasn't read and you didn't, you know, it wasn't read through properly and they didn't discuss, you know, you might have a provision in there, like you're saying, down the line where you have to litigate it. So, yeah. Any last thoughts on that one? Uh, yes, if I may channel my, my uh, scumbag defense attorney for a moment. If you're go <laughs> much in the same way that if you're going to uh, make an agreement, get it in writing. If you're going to do something stupid, don't put it in writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually <laughs> rule two on my list. So I, every I can't tell you how many times I'll have like a DV case 
and like the 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 uh the offender like texts threats and like why did you think that was a good idea <laughs> so that very much ties into my rule too but if you have a different one that's coming up we could we could round back into that well that that's just a comment as a you know yes get everything in writing Except if you're going to do something bad, maybe then don't. Yeah, well, with, my, my rule, rule too is... Rule one with a caveat. <laughs> yeah, rule one with a caveat, which is don't put... Well, and I had a case like that where they said something stupid on Facebook. And it was like, this is where I kind of got to discover the whole thing about different states have different rules on verification for social media. And New Jersey's is relatively easy. And what you do is you try to dispute it. You could you have, two, you have two bites at the apple of disputing it, right? You could say, this isn't my guy. They shouldn't be allowed to admit this. Uh, because you know it's not verifiable, and this is the it runs the risk of uh, of harming my client more than it helps the proceeding. And then you can also argue it at trial as well. Now, if you're in a smaller court, if you're in municipal court, you're kind of phoned well, either I, way. I was gonna say that is in criminal, but in family, where a lot of these text messages and social media posts come in, yes, because there is no jury. It's just up to the judge, and more often than not, they're fine with it. Well, um, and that's that's what I was going to say is if you're in municipal court, there are no jury trials. So well, if, yeah. you're, if you're getting charged with a misdemeanor or a speeding ticket or something along those lines, which, hey, maybe you could have your license suspended, but there, there's not going to be like long-term time. Or even, like again, municipal courts in New Jersey cover uh, disorderly persons offenses, which is New Jersey's version of misdemeanor. They... Uh, you can get jail time technically. So again, that's another thing where uh, if you posted it on Facebook, they, uh, they could definitely, that could bone you in the long run. I mean, you can, you can be put in jail for family violations as well. It does, it can happen. Yeah. Uh, but, so it's, uh, it is important to, to not do stupid things. And if you're going to make sure you don't need the paper trail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. So let's get into your first uh, thing you wish people knew or didn't so, know or. For me, I think the thing, and I always have to impress this upon clients, the judges aren't stupid and they've done this before. <laughs> Sometimes a little too much. Sometimes a little too much. So they've done to, it. To, to elaborate on the problem is like, I'll have someone who, uh, it's like a minor, minor problem. This happens a lot in like, like, um, like, like minor drug cases. And they'll be like, well, you know, like, what if we told them um, that it wasn't my car? I'm like, well, I mean, it's registered to you like what do you and they come up with all of these excuses i'm like do you really think the judge has never seen this before and all it does is waste my time and then i gotta bill you more if it's, yeah don't, don't try to pull a fast one on a judge like just don't do it they, they do this all the time and they're really good at kind of picking out when you're making excuses this happens in like in every area of law i've dealt with i mean even in family where like you know, I had one client one time who was like filing all these like DCP and P um, cases against their ex mm -hmm. to like to like try to create to like manufacture a reason to like take away parenting time. And I remember thinking like, do you do you not think the judge has never seen this before? <laughs> yeah, I will say this. Well, okay, because I have a little bit more of the I don't really have the DV aspect to a lot of my cases, um, but the judges, some judges are really smart. I will say this, it, I think family law judges probably see a lot of, more of the same thing over and over again, 
Oh and God! Don't, and day in and day out, it's the same thing for them. But I think the difference between what I have to deal with versus what you know you're dealing with the DV, like the family law judges, is that I don't think they're they're not tied. Like they don't see the same lawyers all the time, and you they do see the same lawyers because the people practice in there. But for instance, like I go to a municipal court or I go to a court, they see the prosecutor every day, and some of these municipal courts, especially municipal courts, because it's it's. Like, especially because I feel like the 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 bar is getting lowered for some judges because the judges are getting older. So like I saw a judgeship the other day that was open in a, a municipal court for five years of being a lawyer. Like, I Oof. felt like that's kind of a low end bar there, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> to be a, a, a judge after five years and you're determining. You know, I mean, bail isn't really as much of a big problem in Jersey anymore. But, but still, it's like it's it's such a position of authority and power. Like, do we? Oh, really absolutely. Want, do we you really know, want people only five years out doing this? Well, I, honestly, well, my question is, I don't even know if the years really matter as much. I guess it does because you want people who have been in trial law and who have been in in some kind of level of practice that know those proceedings very well. Now, you're you're hoping that just the five years isn't the only requirement that the interview process uh, helps with this as well. That they, that, you know, they they vet the the judge right like you hope that's at least also part of it but the fact that they are looking for judges that are only five years um kind of it 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 shows that there's okay like a a, the expectation requirements changing because the judges are aging out in a very old area of new jersey and they're looking for you know again or maybe they already have a sometimes you might think of it maybe they have a preconceived notion of what they want kind of deal uh for instance maybe the 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 town people like the people on the the town board who are having a say into who's going to be appointed as the judge maybe they're looking for a specific person and they have okay this guy only has five years but we'll make the requirements five years well i mean you got to take what you can get right i also think that new jersey i don't know if we talked about the last time new jersey has a very oddly corrupt system <laughs> i think we touched on it yeah it's a, it's everybody it's 500 little towns and everybody gets their little fiefdom so and, and listen i feel like every i feel like every state has their own version of corruption new jersey's is just weird um <laughs> it's weirdly different it's not any different than any it's not super different but it's weirdly different and uh yeah so judges so okay so this came off of the thing with judges aren't stupid uh, I mean, for me, I think that the problem is really kind of like, especially with divorces and like, like divorces and DV, so family work. Yeah. It's like, I understand that like it is emotional for people to believe that their case is special and that there's a million and one excuses as to why it is that theirs is different. But the harsh reality is your divorce and your DV, probably standard. It's just the way it. it and that, that was more so with divorces where like I'd get like clients telling me how like they've been so wronged and how they deserve everything. And like, that's just not how this works. And yeah. if you really want to plead your case, I'm like, if you really want me to say that to the judge, I will, but I promise you they're going to say no. And all it's going to do is make us look dumb. <laughs> and it's like, it's just the whole thing. Like the judge is not stupid. They've seen this before. And and I, I'm never wrong. Every single time, it's like your divorce is standard, equitable distribution. Whoever probably should get it. It's not that hard to figure out. Um, child support is done on a formula, and you're not going to get more than that. And alimony is done on a full 
informally done on a formula, but it's informally done on a formula. And like, I can take a look at a divorce and tell you outright how much you're going to get. I, I, I can, I can tell you from the beginning and most of the, most of the arguing is a waste of time because the judge has seen this a million times before and nothing you can say is going to pull a fast one on them. It just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. I, I honestly, well, and I think what that kind of get, I, and I wasn't, this wasn't one of my rules, but I think this is kind of the thing of be honest with your lawyer. Like this wasn't one, <laughs> because if you're bullshitting your own lawyer at this point, and then you're going to try and bullshit the judge, uh, it, it's going to end up hurting you in the long run because all it's going to happen is your attorney is going to be shocked and then you're going to get boned either way. Can I just and, take a moment to point out it is snowing outside in May. Snowing by you? I don't see snow by me, unfortunately. There is, there is snow. <laughs> I have heard of this before, though. I have heard of it earlier today. I heard people talking about snow. Oh, the, the end times are here. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, continue. <laughs> no, but, like, because you're saying, you know, you're, you're – now, your attorney might be stupid, so I'm not, I'm not going to – there are dumb attorneys. <laughs> I, I feel bad for people where they get stuck with the incompetent counsel, me included, but uh, I'm just saying the uh, – at least the attorney might be able to say, all right, this is dumb enough that it can work. Um, now, keep in mind, there are cases where I've had it where the plausible deniability aspect of it, like I can't lie to the court. So I had a case where I had a client who uh, got pulled over. They found, like, I think she got pulled over. She, you know, they, she got pulled over for a whole different thing. She got pulled over because I think her license was suspended because it didn't show up to court. Uh, she's out of the car. They're like, listen, we're going to have to take you in because there's a warrant for your arrest. And they do a search of her and she apparently had a pill in her pocket. It was one pill. Ooh, so that's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, she took it. Now here's the problem. She took it out of her pocket. She tried to palm it, stick it back in her pocket. <sighs> yeah. Not so ideal. <laughs> not ideal. It's on video. Uh, she gets arrested. They go to, they, they go to, you know, she calls me up, right? She, I, at this point, I hadn't seen the video. I haven't looked at discovery. She's telling me, listen, my friend was in the car with me. It's her Adderall. She's, we stopped short. It fell out of her pocket. Uh, she has a prescription for it. And uh, she, I dropped her off and I drove and I got pulled over. And it was like about the same day. And then I saw it on the, the floor of the car. I picked it up, stuck it in my pocket and, because I didn't want them seeing it on the ground or I didn't want somebody to like, you know, I, I wanted to not have it on the ground of my car. So I, as far as this goes to me, and I'm hearing this, it makes sense, right? So as, long, as a criminal defense attorney, as long as the, the story sounds pliable and plausible, you really don't want them telling you that they're lying to you about it because she could have been lying, Right. Oh, yeah, that is, totally. that's, that's a possibility. She might, you know, and in fact, I think because, but I didn't know about the, the video where she, um, where she basically said, I didn't, you know, this isn't mine. This isn't mine or whatever, or whatever, like where, where the, she tried to palm the pill. Cause at the time where I first go into court, I'm going into a, I'm getting in a German. I just got the discovery and he's offering me, you know, a deal to, he's offering me a couple of deals and I, I, at one point, I'm just like, well, let's adjourn it. Uh, originally, I was trying to get it, like, kicked down to nothing or dismissed because, I, like, I, have, I had an affidavit. And 
way the the cop comes up to me and he goes like you know she was acting kind of weird or whatever and you know we get a lot of these cases where they they look at the you know where people are sharing them so the, they're not entirely sure they want the affidavit to be like, they're not putting a lot of weight on the affidavit so uh what i do is i adjourn it because we haven't gotten the, the lab results yet i haven't looked at the video uh, i end up looking at the video that kind of part happens and i go well worst comes to worst we go in it gets adjourned for a few months because we have no lab reports. Come back mm-hmm. in, they still don't have lab reports. So we still have the option for a holot motion, which is, you know, you haven't provided discovery in a while. We need the discovery here. You get 30 days, kick us out, basically. Um, but I go in, I go in three months later with that affidavit. Uh, well, prosecutor hasn't looked at this case in three months. So at this point, <laughs> he looks at it. He gives me a, a new deal, and I ha- he dismisses the case. Lovely. Whereas three months ago, he, he wasn't inclined to do that, but he probably hadn't looked at the case in three months, so he looks probably, at it. He probably stopped giving a shit. <laughs> he probably forgot about it. He probably like, forgot. Oh. When I first went to go negotiate it with him, he probably looked at it went, all right, well, uh, you, know, he had just re- you know, he probably just got the discovery and got to look at it himself probably talked to the the cop that was there that day the cop had just done it probably was in the last couple of weeks now you're talking about three four months later he's just like whatever i don't give a hell about this get it dismissed and we were out on our way oh that's great i mean i've i've had this is why having that too prosecutor forgets about the case and it's like yeah we gotta do something with this man it's been like six months or three months so a lot of cases are very different um again with the family law thing it's different than, you know, criminal, a lot of it's kind of based off whatever the prosecutor wants to do for you and then, and go yeah, from there. I mean, what I have found is like in, in family, the attorneys have a lot of power. Yeah. Well, again, because of- you don't have that thing of the, the prosecutor and the, the, the judge are basically employed by the town. The prosecutor works with the cops. The cops have a little bit of, not to say, but you know. Let's just say I mean, they have kind of a little bit of leeway as far as pushing it. And again, it's a different family law is appointed by a county. It's a, it's a different uh, procedure as far as how some of these judges get put in. Yeah. And I, I mean, the thing with like, like family and like, it's just like, because especially like in DV, like divorce is just straight up negotiations. I've never actually seen a divorce trial. Like they, they don't really happen. No, Usually you settle. But like for DV stuff, it's like a plaintiff's counsel is acting, I guess, in the prosecutorial role. Yeah. And like, I, I, that's where I did most of my work. And like, I had a lot of power because I was the one who could turn around and say to my client, like, look, your odds aren't good. You oh no, I totally agree with that. I think that's any time though. Yeah. But I, I think mean, that's a lot of cases where you have the ability to turn to your client and say, listen, the, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes your client won't listen to you. Too. I mean, I think the power swings in, in plaintiff's favor a bit, though, for that. Because, mm-hmm. like, most like, defense counsel would always just come to me like, so can we, like, civil restraint to this? Like, I've never had one of them say, take it to trial because, because you know, we're going to win. Not, not once. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because typically speaking, people don't like people who beat their wives. Um, you're, you don't have a sympathetic client. And you got to give me something, but, but yeah, yeah. like it, I suppose that the whole lesson became a bit more complicated, but I guess just to reiterate, it's just cases are, they're pretty standard for the most part. It's very rare that your case is special and 
usually when your attorney tells you this is how it's going to turn out, they're usually right. <laughs> All right. So any last thoughts on the, uh, I, where are we at on this? I, we were originally, this is the, you know, judges are kind of smart in, in a lot of regards, especially county level. Cause family law is usually. The oh account. yeah. Um, not that I'm saying the, the, the municipal court level or local level are not smart, uh, but know. they I've, usually, I've, I've run into some pretty shitty municipal judges. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying along the lines of, uh, they have, their interests are different. Uh, let me put it that way. You're very rarely getting a lot of family law judges taken off the bench. Whereas the, uh, the term for municipal court judges in New Jersey is only, I think three years. And honestly, they probably could fire you sooner if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, typically, if a family law judge leaves, it's because they're going to another division. Like, it's, it's not, they're not fired. They're just going elsewhere. Yeah. So, whereas you could see turnover in municipal courts pretty easily. So, it's just a different interest. Like, that's why I'm not, I don't want to say that they're necessarily dumber. Um, I think that the interests are different. And actually, I've met a lot of smart ones. And I've had, I've had great judges in some towns. I think there's a, there's a few that if I had a name them, I would, I would, I just don't want to name any names on, uh, on a podcast because you don't want to have anybody going like, well, what about oh, yeah, me? Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, I know what you mean. In the rare instance that more than three people ever listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to another rule. And I, I think, uh, I, or another thing that we wish people would know. And, uh, I guess I'll go next because I think we just did yours. Yeah, I think so. Again, I, I did tag a little bit on top of that, yeah, we, but that wasn't. We expanded it, but yes. Yeah, which is, uh, I'm mine is shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was wondering when someone was going to say, don't talk to the cops. <laughs> Not even, okay, so I, I, I'm actually doing a video on this. As a, as a compendatory <laughs> to the podcast, there's videos that are going to be coming out. And that's one of the rules on the video. And that's more relating to how it affects you and cops. On the podcast, it, what I want to expound on is anywhere. When you say something incriminating, it, it can affect your civil cases. It can affect a lot of things. We were talking about it before with uh, kind of the, your, your part of everything in writing. Don't put things that are, are bad in writing, <laughs> right? That's, yes, because people should remember, too, if you say something stupid in court, it's on the record. Almost yeah. certainly. And uh, there will be a transcript of that. <laughs> and not only that, but say, uh, say you go into a car accident and you hit somebody and you go, oh my God, this was totally my fault. Yeah. Oh, that's not don't helpful ever, to you. Do not ever say that. <laughs> oh my God, this is totally my fault. Well, that's not helpful. What if it even wasn't your fault? But now we have something on the record of you saying that. Maybe he said it to the cop. It was totally my fault. The person ran out in the middle of the road. I smacked him and hit him 15,000 feet in the air. That was totally my fault. Well, the more times you say it, it's totally my fault. They're going to ask you that at a deposition. You know, especially if it's in the police record, if they it's, now granted police reports can be horrible sometimes. So you're oh, hoping, I, God, yes. But it doesn't help when you said it was totally my fault or I was going 150 over the speed limit. It was, oh my God, this guy got, you know, and sometimes you get, uh, like, again, the whole talking to the cops thing. Yes, yeah, shut the fuck up because there's, <laughs> and now I do want to expound on that a little bit because, again, it's in the video, but there, we can kind of go more in depth into it because, dude, it's how you get fucked on everything. So one a good example of a client saying too much. I worked on a um, on a restraining order matter, so it was a DV case, and it wasn't my case. It was it was the guy who sat next to me, but I was helping him out on it. And in the police report, he admitted that he grabbed his wife by by the throat and like slammed her against the wall. And he admits this to the cops, and he says he did it because he was angry. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's. He's done. Dude, it, there's yeah. this 
Because <laughs> so, it's your own words now being used against you, right? So he, he was represented. He did have an attorney. I mean, I mean, after that, I hope he did. Um, and I remember I, I was listening to, uh, to my coworker on the phone talking to opposing counsel. And I don't know how it came up because I could only hear his end of the conversation. But he's like, does your client usually pick up people he's angry with by the throat like kind of like really waving at the opposing <laughs> counsel's face <laughs> wow that one that one ultimately settled but uh but yeah like don't, don't say that to the cop don't say just, just shut well, up don't say anything to the cops because here's well, what yeah. happens right um say you're driving you know down route 95 or you're driving up the turnpike and you get pulled over right and maybe you were going five miles over the speed limit or 10 miles over the speed limit, or you're going way under the speed limit and they pull you over. Cause they think like, Oh, is there a problem here? And you say something incriminating along the line. Like maybe they ask, like I I've had uh, like, maybe they ask if you have anything illegal in your car. Right. And maybe you have a lot of illegal things, but you think if you say something that's not as illegal, like say fireworks, right? <laughs> Which at the time, you know, now it's changed. I was going to say that's no New Jersey. It's, well, in New Jersey, there's other states where fireworks are illegal. So I, I, I had a case that was like that where the guy said, you know, where they pulled him over. They're like, do you have anything illegal in your car? And he said fireworks. And at the time, fireworks were still illegal. And they searched the car and they found uh, marijuana which at the time and still is technically in New Jersey illegal. So uh, they, they go ahead, they give him a summons for both the fireworks and the marijuana. So now you're trying to suppress this case, but, uh, and again, he didn't consent to the search of the car, which is a whole other thing that I, I have an issue with. Um, we'll talk about that later on. But uh, as far as for this, it's, Hey, you just said something incriminating that gave him probable cause to search your car. <laughs> And you sometimes you like I had a guy I got pulled over before I was in law school and I was driving up from Newark. I was actually just checking out uh, Rutgers. I got pulled over and I said I was coming from Newark and they didn't use that as probable cause to search the car. I don't because, think they could. Well, they were kind of he that's why he wanted to search the car, though. Because he wanted to he wanted to search the car. Newark. Yeah, I yeah, said I was coming from Newark. That's not gonna. That's not gonna fly. <laughs> it's not gonna fly. But like when you say like, yeah, I was coming from Newark, and it's not gonna fly. But then they will might make up a reason, right? Or say they're getting you for you know again like they. So I had somebody ask me about this a while back. You know what if uh, what if they just make up the probable cause like they say they smell marijuana, right? Okay, then you then you get out of the car and tell them go get your warrant. I've got nowhere to be. <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that's why you don't consent to a search. Well, yeah. Right? That's, that's why you don't consent to a search. Um, and, that, and in fact, that's actually one of my other ones that I'm doing in the video is why you don't consent to a search. Uh, because now they need the probable cause to search the car. You don't need warrant to search a car. You just need probable well, yeah. cause. Um, but if they search the car and say they say, oh, I smell marijuana, and they put that in the police report, it's on the recording, oh, I smell marijuana, um, and they search the car, and then they say, maybe they don't find marijuana. Maybe they find guns and cocaine. Well, this is, this is an interesting question, then. Because this gets into the whole issue of, like, uh, I'm, I'm, like, having flashbacks to, like, my, my crim pro exam, where what if the marijuana is, you know, in a, in, a, in a bag? Not a clear bag, but a bag. You can search the car, but you can't search the bag, necessarily. Uh, so I could give many tips about how to hide your drugs in a car, if need be. <laughs> But <laughs> well, that's the other thing. You can actually limit your consent to a search as well. 
well, yeah. That, that's something that uh, doesn't get mentioned a lot because, to be honest, they don't want you just limiting your search. Like, I, I'm only going to let you search my wallet in this pop-up book. Like, yeah, we're going to still – we want to search your car. <laughs> like, Yeah, and, like, the whole issue of, like, trunks and glove boxes and purses and, like – it's it's very complex. Like this is literally like a crim pro exam. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why if you don't consent, now what you do is you open it up to your attorney going ahead and filing what's called a motion to suppress under the exclusionary rule. And you're going to sit there and say, listen, they shouldn't have been allowed to search the car. He said he smelled marijuana and he found guns and cocaine. And last time I checked, guns and cocaine don't smell like marijuana. <laughs> so where was the marijuana? that he had thought he had probable cause to find. And so you file a motion to suppress and, you know, what you really want to do is be able to, you know, in some states they allow you to cross-examine the, the police officer on the motion to suppress. Not and they show up. Yeah. Well, and then on the, and then if they respond, you know, you get them on the stand and you get to say, well, what happened to the marijuana? You said you smelled marijuana. So that's that's an opportunity there at least you've now opened it up for your attorney to go ahead and attack the case whereas if you consent to the search which was supposed to be one of the later rules i was talking about it's in the video uh that hopefully will be up by the time this goes up as well if you consent to the search you're just kind of boned <laughs> well that's the thing and that's the thing 90 percent of search 90 percent of searches are consented to like it's yeah. an it's an inordinate number it's a which is kind of a weird thing right because we live in a country that's all about freedom America screw yeah America fuck yeah and everything but we so easily bend our knee to authority right and what really shocks me is like you let them search your car but you wouldn't let me search your car if I was just some random dude that walked up to you it's like can I look in your car it's like no go away <laughs> leave me alone yeah I mean I, I think a lot of people have the mentality of like oh, they won't find it. I'm like, no, they probably will because it goes back to the whole judges aren't dumb. They've done this before. Cops have done this before too. They yeah, know they're hiding spots. <laughs> they're trained into doing it. And you know, that's why they have drug sniffing dogs and stuff like that. And they, they, they figure it out. Like they're, this is what they're paid to do, especially with the war on drugs. Like this is what part of... Um, so yeah, like well, this all goes back to shut the fuck up, which we kind of went on a tangent <laughs> to my my other rule, which is don't consent to a search. Which they kind of go together though, they really do because it's a lot of times they you know especially in criminal they do because they're both about you know trying to get the evidence you know a not giving them a reason, right, and then mm -hmm. also. Yeah, it's evidentiary stuff. It's stuff that affects you later on, right? If you say it's your drugs, we're gonna believe it's your drugs. So I mean, pretty much, yeah. Like, you, but it, uh, it, it it does kind of amaze me how much people are willing to talk to cops. Like, well, why? Why would you do this to yourself? Uh, I think the reasoning I, that I can gauge from people is they don't want to seem like they're criminal, and also a lot of times cops aren't really like coming off as like some of them come off as very hostile. I've I've had cops who are very hostile to me. I, you know, but I also know cops that are, that when they pull you over, they're not very hostile. And, you know, if, if I walked up to you at a store and said, how's your day going? And Hey, what have you been up to today? You might actually respond to me and be like, Oh, I'm just coming back from my grandma's house over in Newark. And I was down there for 20 minutes and I was also checking out the law school that was down there. And then they might be like, well, that's a little weird. Hmm. And the only difference is that the cop has that ability to sit there. And when you are being nice to turn it into something not nice kind of deal. I don't know. 
so yeah, what, what's your final thoughts on the both the shut the the fuck up thing and also the I guess we could also say the consenting to a search thing because I felt that was kind of I mean it it it, it all kind of ties together, right? Like don't say anything, do not speak, um, and don't don't just let like, don't 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 make make them do their job. That's the way I look at it. Don't yeah, don't make it easier for them. And also, here's the thing. So if everybody followed the same mentality, right? If everybody stopped consenting to searches, they would stop searching cars. It would take too much time. Well, I mean, if everybody demanded a trial, then they'd probably have to stop prosecuting so many people because they'd never get through the backlog. <laughs> so <laughs> sure, if everyone acted in unison, <laughs> we could crumble the system. Well, I would say the difference between those two things are um, the time consumption for having to search the car, which would probably be a lot of times, like if they knew they, if everybody was doing the same thing, they can't hold you forever to search the car. They can't just make up a bunch of reasons to, to, to hold you there. They have to, you know, there's, there's limits on what they can do. Whereas the, the time and money consumption of going to trial, especially if you don't have a public defender you don't have an attorney appointed to you or you, you know, you're spending your own out of pocket expenses on a lawyer or even like the system, as far as the public defenders are not well-funded. It's one of the, you know, oh, they are not. it's one of the worst parts of our legal system is that I can the public not, defender's office is not funded very well at all, except this, for maybe one, one precinct in Brooklyn. I was going to say neither is legal aid. Just going to throw that out there too. <laughs> maybe, maybe the idea of this podcast is to help get those things funded. Hopefully people will get it. I mean, that would be nice. Right, 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 I don't know. Write your congressperson. I don't know. Do a thing. <laughs> well, you know what it is? Is nobody's ever run. Nobody's ever won a campaign on let's do things to help criminals. But they this don't is, realize. This is true. That it's not about helping criminals. It's about making the system work better. Hmm. And they, they, when you think of it like that, maybe they would. I, like, nobody's ever won uh an election off of that anyway any final thoughts on the this kind of like making the people or you got you got a new one that you want to do well i was gonna say as a final thought shut the fuck up it's solid advice shut <laughs> like, the fuck just, up is solid just, advice just, just don't talk if you don't have to <laughs> and, and then or save it for a time where you're doing stand-up and you want to make fun of everybody <laughs> yeah all right so it's uh what's what's the next one what's the next one on your list so for me th this one's i think it may be a little bit controversial just because i understand why it happens but i really wish it wouldn't mm -hmm. um and this this is also a a, a civil side problem more so than criminal mm -hmm. if you don't have to be a pro se please don't <laughs> <laughs> yes um, and my, my real problem with it, it isn't so much me dealing with pro se litigants. Like, look, I, I, there's rules about how this has to work, and that's fine. The real problem I have is when someone is a pro se, and they fuck everything up, and then you hire an attorney to fix it. I will say my one caveat, if you ever want to be a pro se, do parking tickets. You can do those. Yeah, things, like, so. that's easy. I, I, I there's can also, give advice on how to deal with that. There's also no risk. That's really what it is. It's well, risk yeah. versus reward. That's why, you know, especially early on uh, when you're trying to do, you know, you're trying to get used to doing a lot of uh, law stuff, the, the things that are probably better for you to do, especially when you're coming out as a lawyer, is uh, do, you know, defense for insurance companies because there's not a, you know, you learn the, the civil litigation practice pretty quickly you're not paid a lot, but you are learning the practice really easily. And then you're also 
you know, the risk is this insurance company has to pay money. Right. Oh, well. Um, that's why, you know, people try, people would always say this, oh, well, you could always go out and become a prosecutor. I, I was never a big fan of that one. Um, just because I don't, I, I, I couldn't be a prosecutor. It's just on my mental makeup. Um, but I mean, I think I could physically do it. I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a way to think of it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's not in my, my, my bone structure. If you will, I can't. I, I couldn't send anybody to jail. I'd be letting murderers walk. That would be the horrible thing about it. We couldn't let Walter be a be a prosecutor. He'd let murderers go. He'd just be giving them all these like, oh, I'll just like, I'll give you a DUI for killing somebody. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, there's oversight. Luckily, well, yeah. at least on that end of it, they they would just fire me. That would be what would happen. Is eventually somebody would notice that I'm letting all these bad guys go, and they'd be like, we can't have this guy be a prosecutor. This is stupid. Yeah, but I so, mean, like for for me, though, like the the big issues is it's always the same story. Usually, it's someone in family wants to do like a, like a custody thing or their own divorce, and it gets so horribly messed up. Oh yeah, that the just the amount of time it takes to fix the problems and bring it back to a place where I can then work with it, it just makes me not want to do it, and like. I don't know about you. I am generally less inclined to take a case that's already in motion, especially if I'm taking over for a pro se. Oh yeah. I am sure that's a big issue. I think for me, um, my cases don't usually have that issue because oh, yeah. I don't do a lot of, I did one family law case. I'll never do it again. <laughs> See? I, I, I will say that. Um, so as far as other cases come out, you know, yeah, I guess criminal law, you might hear of people doing pro se. I really recommend they don't, especially because of uh, if you are in a situation, if you're in a situation where you have some real legal consequence, you should be able to get a public defender. I mean, frankly speaking, if you are in, like, if you are being charged with a crime and you yeah. wish to represent yourself, you're just dumb. Like, yeah. I'm an attorney and I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Um, but I will say, uh, I've had, I don't know. I don't have a lot of them where it's been like that. I just don't think it's a, it's, it's not common in bankruptcy. It almost no. never happens in workers comp. I don't know anybody who does personal injury where they, cause personal injury with the, your attorney is willing to take it on a contingency. Oh yeah. 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 So that's usually not an issue. I mean, I, I speak a lot about family because like, that's like along with criminal, it's like the other most likely place where people will interact. Yes. Like a lot of people have kids and a lot of people get divorced and this is where these things are litigated. And it's just, it's just so frustrating to like look at like all the documents that have been like submitted previously and they're just all completely wrong. Mm -hmm. What I'll say <sighs> is I've seen a lot of people do traffic tickets where it's not just a parking ticket pro se. Oh, I mean, like I, I have friends who like have gotten like traffic tickets and they're like, Hey, I got to go to court for this. Can you go with me? I'm like, no, but I will tell you what to say. And it works. That's fine. That's easy stuff. Well, I do think there's a benefit when you do have a lawyer. A lot of times they'll, they'll give you something a little bit well, more. Well, yeah, that's, that is true too. Like, and usually the cost for having a lawyer for one of those things is not that much. I mean, it, it depends, right? Like it depends on who you hire. I, I, I found that for most of the traffic tickets I was dealing with, I got the sense that the prosecutor and the judge just didn't want to deal with me. <laughs> so they gave me a better deal to make me go away. <laughs> 
I, I just feel like it depends on the, the prosecutor and the judge and who, where you are, who you are. Um, but a lot of times I've noticed that, well, and like you said right now, right? They didn't want to deal with you, so they gave you a better deal. That does yeah. happen. There is that, uh, the reputation aspect of law where I know uh, I was interviewing with a guy a while back who was like, listen, you work with me. And I, I ended up working for this guy, but he was, he's a very nice uh, attorney, very smart guy. He's like, listen, you work with me. They'll give you different deals. They won't bullshit you. That case that you had that you had a fight over, they'll walk in. They know my name. They won't, they won't fuck with you on that shit and the, because they know I will fight it and I will duke it out with them and, <laughs> and that I'll be a dick with them on it. And that I know what, you know, like, because you are walking in with me and it's not just you as your own walking into that courtroom. So there is a value to reputation, especially with prosecutors and judges where they go. And also it's a personal thing. You know, people from the bar and everything. Not the, yeah. not, not out drinking, like the actual like county bar associations. Not, although there's I mean, a lot of alcoholism is. I was going to say, I feel industry. like there's a joke in there somewhere. I just don't, I didn't, I didn't want to construct it, but it's in there. Oh yeah. Well, the, the like a, the, the old uh, Rothman thing, first day of law school, alcoholism is rampant throughout the legal industry free alcohol at every event and also for those who don't know our law school is right across the street from a bar <laughs> <laughs> oh ruckers 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 um but yeah yeah the pro se thing i know a lot of people who do try to do things pro se i i i yeah in your case they probably should when you're talking about family law and criminal absolutely not they oh no not never like not, attorneys should not even pro se criminal like just don't um, other than that, but, <laughs> but like, like I said before, the commonality of people doing pro se work otherwise, like you don't see it in bankruptcy. Yeah. You, you know? Oh yeah. Like most people, I mean, again, for, for me, I'm thinking like whoever's listening to this, where are they most likely to be in court? Yeah. And family is like, I, I most people get sucked into the family system one way or another. The other one's landlord tenant. That's the other one I can see a lot of pro se in. <sighs> yeah. And, and that small one's claims. dicey. Okay. So, Small claims, you kind of sometimes don't have a choice because like lawyers just won't do it. <laughs> it's also a cost. And honestly, the, the times where lawyers are doing it, it's because you need one because you were an LLC or a corporation. Yeah, like, I mean, like landlord tenants dicey because like if your landlord, a total scumbag, like you might, you'll probably be all right. <laughs> but that's usually not the case. It's usually a bit more nuanced than that. It is um, a lot. Like, well, A, it comes down to what are you fighting over too? Um, I've had, I, I've seen them where it's, you know, if it's security deposits, also there's some people who might do it on the contingency of the security so deposit. Security I'm deposits. Not... I actually used to do a lot of those yeah. because, because the landlord is in New Jersey is on the hook for, I think it's, I think it's double or is it two and a half? It's two or two and a half times the security deposit. Well, so, yeah, that's why. Yeah. I, yeah that's so what like, I was going to say. And I'll get paid. Like, and honestly, a lot of times security deposits are like once once you hire once a person hired an attorney, the landlord usually just kind of was like, fine, fuck it, because <laughs> it, it isn't worth it. Like, do you really want to go to court with me? Because like that's fine. And if you lose, you're you're gonna get screwed here. Yeah, that that that's kind of and usually, hopefully, if they have an attorney on their own end, they've they've figured it out. On I mean, it depended. Like the the bigger buildings would like they had like someone on retainer who would then kind of like figure out like what's worth fighting and what's not but like a lot of the mom and pop landlords would just kind of give up which felt kind of shitty but a lot of times like they should 
they were trying to keep a security deposit they were, were, were not entitled to. Well, and that's the other thing is that there's, especially in certain states with landlord-tenant, there's a lot of rules for landlords. Um, as far as if you want to keep the security deposit, well, there's certain rules for how to handle a security deposit. Yeah, like I know the, the one that always sticks out in my mind was the landlord was claiming that they needed to deduct $800 from the security deposit to repaint. I'm like, but that's, no, that's part of being a landlord. You had to repaint. That's, that's not. Oh, that's the normal. receipts. That's, that's, that's also the other thing is like, you need, you need to have the receipts with you for doing it. You need to send them an itemized list. That's yeah, the other problem just, that a lot of them don't do. I mean, the thing was like my, my client, and the only reason I took this one was because she had a literal like 3d virtual tour of like pictures of the apartment. Like she took pictures and video and there was no real damage to the walls. They did need to be repainted because she had lived there for like 15 years. But like, well, that's, that's not something you can charge the tenant for. That's wear and tear. And she relented on that one. We, we got the money on that one. So that, that felt good. Well, so with that, uh, that's actually a good note as far as rule, like take video, record things, take pictures. Oh yeah. But make, I mean, I feel like that it, goes into get everything in writing. <laughs> <laughs> it should similar. but people don't realize that's a writing oh yeah like that's actually a great tip for like i mean i feel like this is good in any state if you're gonna move into an apartment like take a video of a walkthrough the day that you get in and then a video the day that you leave absolutely and uh, like, and pictures and anything especially anything you think is out of the ordinary but just in general do that yeah like that's that's always great because then you know you show that to the judge like what's the judge going to do but also, I honestly, this is where, um, especially because cameras are so cheap uh, nowadays, I think you should just keep a camera in your car. Don't I mean, I, I for one, have a dash cam. Well, that's a, it, has yeah. been, it has been one of the best investments uh, I, I ever got. Ah. True now, story. <laughs> I got rear-ended by a school bus on my way to a trial one day. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? So I got up early. I was getting ready to, to go to court. I had to be in Patterson. So up in, uh, so yeah, I'd be in Patterson for, uh, for a trial and I'm driving, I'm going North on 18 cause I was trying to dodge the parkway tolls <laughs> and there was an accident in front of me. Someone got rear-ended, but there was a school bus behind me. So when I hit my brakes to like not hit the car in front of me, they did not pay attention and just slammed right into the back of my car. Hmm. And uh, my car was totaled. <laughs> um, but the, the upside of having the dash cam is one, I will forever have footage of me getting fucking owned. <laughs> <laughs> and two, so when I, when I called the insurance company to be like, yeah, my car is kind of totaled. Uh, they paid out my claim like within like two days because what, they, what the, the adjuster was like, normally we wait for the police report and that takes a week, but I sent her the, the dash cam footage and she like on the spot was like, okay, you clearly were not at fault here. So here's because my I, question. If you have dash cam footage, well, okay, so A, there's a risk to having dash cam footage because if you have it and you did do something wrong, but well, now you well, have yeah. something on record of you doing like something well, You could wrong. always turn it off when you're yeah. going to do something dumb. <laughs> Well, I'm saying in your say you were at fault in that case. That's where the risk comes up is if you were at fault in that case and you rear-ended somebody. Well, now well, there's true. there's footage of you hitting somebody and rear-ending them. Although the adjuster only knew that I had a dash cam because I told her. 
<laughs> well, now we're getting into some other. Um... I mean, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> it, it wasn't in the police report. They didn't. When I eventually read it, they made no mention of it. I don't even think the cops knew. I don't think they noticed it. Well, okay, so, but but in in when you are in litigation, right, you are required to turn over stuff in discovery. So if there is yeah, ever, yeah, but but how often do insurance claims like that doesn't really happen? They just pay it out and call it a day. <laughs> like let's let's be like yeah, sure. Hypothetically speaking, you are correct, but like that's not how it works, and you know this. <laughs> well, a people might forget that they had it, or. You know, or it gets it gets settled long before it goes to trial, even I mean, before you file a complaint like that does happen every once in a while. Yeah. So there are those aspects of it. I mean, OK, fair enough. I guess the lesson is if you're a good driver, get a dash cam. <laughs> and if you're a bad driver, then maybe don't. Uh, there we go. Problem solved. <laughs> now, what's your, I, I don't have a dash cam. How does your dash cam work? Does it record your front of your car, the rear so part of the car? I have a fancy one that records front and back, which was super Ooh. useful because normally dash cams only record forward. And the reason why that was helpful was one, the forward facing camera showed that the car in front of me, it was like a red Nissan Rogue. Yep. I didn't hit it. I stopped like very, like very, very far away from it. I, I, there's probably about a foot and a half of space between us when I came to a full stop which was helpful because I actually kind of broke one of the rules we talked about when the cops asked me if I hit the car in front of me, I said, I, well, I actually said I wasn't sure <laughs> because, well, because it happened so quickly. Like in, we're talking in like a second, I went from being dead stopped to my car slammed into the car in front of me. Yeah. And I like, would actually I, argue that that might be the better way of answering that question. Yeah. And like, and I was being perfectly honest. I had no idea. I, I did say, I believe that I stopped completely before I hit them. Mm -hmm. But I actually could not be 100% sure. And then the dash cam footage going forward showed that I came to a stop for like, and then like a fraction of a second later, I'm just smashed into the other car. But then the rear facing camera also showed the bus just getting larger in my rear view. <laughs> so it was clear that like I had been hit. And then from the fact that I was at a complete stop showed that the damage to the car in front of me was caused by me being pushed into that car. Dang. So they were like, police report, usually we wait to see what happens, but they're like, I don't know if this is like a progressive thing specifically, but they were just like, well, clearly you're not at fault here. So they paid my claim out like within two days, which was super helpful because I was only out of a car for like three days. Like I went back to the dealership and said, I need another one. <laughs> so, but that was only for the car though. That wasn't like, you didn't have a personal injury claim and you didn't go um, there. No, because honestly I was fine. Yeah, but he, he, given the the given the sounds of that case, uh, you know, it sounds like that's something that would have become a. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, the statute of limitations hasn't run on that yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I I I'm still within my two years. So if oh, I really wanted to, I I could go after State Farm. That was the insurance company for the for the bus that hit me. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I, you I still a, have time. Yeah, I you could even until, just send a letter. I probably have, I think I have until November of this year. I'm still within my two years. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're going to do it, I'd get on it because even if you aren't going to file the, the personal injury claim, if you wanted to send the letter, yeah. Honestly, that's a whole I kind of, I kind of don't care enough. Like, cause here's the thing. I actually came out ahead on that. Um, somehow when they, when my car got totaled, they actually paid me out more than I paid for it. 
Oh, because that so, was the value of the car? Yeah, I got a good deal on it, and they paid me out more than what I had, I had paid for it. So yeah. not only did I get a new car, like, almost identical, different color, but but I also like, got, I pocketed, like, a thousand bucks. I'm like, okay, good for me, I guess. <laughs> That's what I get for paying my premiums on time. Yeah, nice. Um, I, I wasn't too upset. <laughs> it was fun explaining to the judge why I couldn't make it that morning, though. <laughs> that oh my god yeah that's that's a that's like, gotta be stressful on its like own my, my first instinct was to call the court <laughs> before i called my mom before i called anyone to come get me i gotta call the judge <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, the listeners who are listening to this. And uh, if you could, please like, follow, subscribe, uh, leave a review if you liked listening to us. And uh, tune in next time. We'll be on, uh, I think, every Wednesday. And the reason why you want to subscribe is also there might be extra episodes that I release. Because uh, me and John, we like to talk a lot. We got a lot of extra info in some of these uh, nuggets of episodes. So uh, there might even be an extra one this week if you uh, subscribe and tune in. And uh, if you want, you can follow the podcast at PONKLaw101 at Twitter and Instagram and all those fun places. You can follow me at BROJO, Death is in the End of Life. Punch like that delicious drink. And like I said before, this is an informational podcast only. So please uh, do not act on any of this information. Uh, in fact, a lot of this stuff's kind of been more of telling you not to act uh, ridiculously, if you will. Uh, but if you have any questions on this stuff, uh, again, retain an attorney in your jurisdiction. Uh, but if you ever have, uh, again, yeah, just just do that. And have a nice day. Bye. Bye.